ESPN's The Farm Post podcast. We are in the international break and the Matildas have gone down to Scotland 1-0. It was a Nicola Doherty wonder strike. People were asking her if she meant it or not. She absolutely meant it. That was deliberate as hell and it was stunning to watch. Nothing Mackenzie Arnold could do about it, but it does mean that the Matildas have suffered defeat for the first time since September. The seven-game winning streak has come to an end and it's just, I suppose, a bit flat. That's probably the best way to maybe describe the overall mood because we had really gotten used to winning and it was quite lovely to be on that high. But obviously, always with Matilda's games, there's plenty to talk about, so we absolutely cannot wait to crack in. But before we do, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri, Gadigal and Ngunnawal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you've got the full house, me, Marissa Lodanik, Sam Lewis, Angela Christian-Wilkes and Anna Harrington. So, besties, let's talk about this game. The top of the rundown, we have the question, are we concerned by this 1-0 loss? Are we not concerned by this 1-0 loss? So it's open mic, open floor. Are you concerned or are you feeling okay? No, I'm not concerned. Um, And I'm not concerned for a couple of reasons. The first is that given the circumstances of this team in terms of player availability and injuries, um, this is not a full-strength Matilda side. It was expected that we would be able to field one this close to the World Cup and given this is the second last international window that they'll be playing friendlies in, would have been great if that had been the case. And I think that if we had done that, it would have been a very different game. But and in saying that, I think we need to, like that context is really important in, able to, in order to assess what we did see a little bit more accurately um, and the kinds of questions that were being asked in this game because Tony Gustafson said in the match day minus one press conference that they have had to pivot quite rapidly given the the accumulated injuries over the past two weeks to reassessing and, and sort of reconfiguring the way that they go about this window now and his sort of big um, major pillar is effectively asking uh, or, or finding answers to the questions that need to be asked and need to be answered in this window because this is the last window that the Matildas have before the final 23 players are uh, submitted to FIFA for the Women's World Cup squad. So this is the moment that a number of players who we've been talking about for several episodes need to be able to put their hand up to be on that list. And I think this Scotland game was a really good um, demonstration of players who are absolutely going to be on that list and players who were not. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but it was also just like one of those games where sometimes the ball just doesn't want to go home. Like the Matildas created a, a good number of chances, particularly in the second half. Uh, the crossbar came to the, the, the rescue of Scotland twice. Uh, and so did their goalkeeper two or three times. Like they had an excellent, an excellent game. So, you know, and the, the, the winning goal ultimately was like, like ridiculous as well. Like no goalkeeper is saving that kind of shot. It was, it was insane. So yeah, it was just, it was just one of those games. I don't think it's panic stations just yet. It's definitely not panic stations. I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I'm not concerned in terms of the bigger picture, like what Sam said, um, in terms of the result. Um, But I think, and we'll probably, we'll go into this in greater depth. The concern was that no Kerr, no Ford, and like, geez, struggled, especially in the first half to find a route to go. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, and my colleague uh, AAP Ian Chapman, who was there, reported today that Sam has no certainty to feature heavily in the next game either. It could be a little bit of smoke and mirrors and those sorts of things, right? But if she's under a fitness cloud, they're going to have to find a solution again. Um, we saw her against Scotland. Really, as much as there were some great chances, there was also moments where it just didn't work, which is concerning. We're in the last, as you say, Sam, we're in the last window or the last camp before um, before the squad selected and really before it all happens. Um, so, yeah, I was concerned that there wasn't, like, finding clear ways to go. Um, that, that was something that stood out for me. Um, yeah, the result... Not great. You could see when Ellie Carpenter was interviewed pitch side straight after the match, her return to the Matildas fold. She was filthy, like angry. <laughs> like you could see it sort of steaming off her. She shouldn't play poker. She'd be no good at it because um, <laughs> she just looked filthy with it. Um, so, yeah, I think big picture, not concerned, but it is a bit of a speed bump. It, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't super impressive. And as we were talking about off air before we started, like it really felt like the Matildas didn't kick into action until they conceded. So that's that's worrying as well. I think that would have been disappointing. Um, they get a chance to turn things around pretty quickly, though. But, yeah, we will go into depth into the forward situation. But I think that was the most concerning. And I know you're never going to look as good when you're missing two of the most informed strikers in or forwards in the WSL, right, and two of the key links in your team. And you're playing players, um, and this is a concern as well, like, Mary Fowler, I think, warmed her way into it. Hayley Razzo had some moments, but they both look like players who haven't played a lot of football lately, which I think is another thing. And I, I imagine they'll probably play heavily in both games because you want them to play football um, and they need to see what these players can do. But, yeah, it's, it's yeah, I'm concerned because we didn't see really the depth shine the way you would have liked to in terms of the forwards. But, yeah, big picture-wise, I'm not like, this is a travesty. <laughs> Honestly, I was a bit more concerned just then when my emotional support iPad wasn't, it's not an iPad, it's a Samsung tablet, wasn't loading OneNote. Bozza, if you've got any tips, let me know. I've decided that I'm going to do this from now on, but it's already off to a shaky start. Um, I Yeah, I'm not overly concerned. I think because all of the issues that we saw, there's solutions to them. So, and I think we will go into that but kind of yeah the 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 front line I think there's alternative options that we could have run with and I suppose as but on the other hand I suppose as well shit happens and so these moments where we have a mysterious out from Sam Kerr at the last minute how the squad as a whole kind of responds to that I think is really important and it felt like they as her and Sam have both touched on, like the intensity just wasn't there from the get-go to kind of, I, I guess, get the upper hand in the match. Re- really unfortunate goal. Um, but the fact that we weren't able to come back, I don't, again, not too concerned because we had some fantastic chances like Clay Hunt's shot, amazing, fantastic, beautiful. The fact that we had Clay Hunt in the back line for 90 minutes is a massive positive. Ellie Carpenter. We didn't know. <laughs> we, we saw Clayton Hunt get thrown up forward well, for the last yes, 10 minutes, which I didn't need minutes. to see at like <laughs> midnight. I, I'm just never a big fan. I wasn't a fan of it when Alana Kennedy got thrown forward early in Tony's tenure. I'm I'm just not huge. I, I wasn't a fan of it when Harry Slater was getting thrown up front for the Ollie Ruse at the Olympics. Like, 
I'd rather just see another what is it forward with Australian tested. national teams well, and for, just throwing a big player up front and hoping. Just like I'd rather see like I know Tamiki Yellick came into right back and we saw I think Charlie Grant went into centre back and then Hunt went forward. I'd, I'd rather see if you're going to bring Yellick on, put her in midfield and put Cooney Cross onto the wing or bring in Claire Wheeler and or push Katrina Gorey up. Like, so, like, or bring on a forward. I don't know. Holly McNamara was one of the last players to arrive in camp. I would have liked to have seen her, but mm. I'm not sure if there was a, a fitness thing there as well. Um, but I'm just not huge on let's chuck the tall girls up top. It just doesn't seem to work. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you, Angela, but you did mention the big positive, which is Ellie Carpenter returning. Please expand. Oh, yeah, I, I thought... I don't know, it seemed like she slotted right back in. With kind of the concession there, I think her and Courtney Vine, they looked a little patchy in places, I think just because they haven't played together very much before. So that will be an adjustment, I guess, but it was for the most part really positive. And I think once they actually kind of know, like are on the same kind of um, wavelength, they'll be quite dangerous. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Overall, it was... (laughs) Yeah, it was just a bit of a frustrating result, but um, I'm not, I I feel okay. Not super anxious, not depressed. That's always the bone. Yeah. Not, uh, but I'm always, I am always concerned, but not (laughs) uh, more than ordinary. It's just a natural state of being at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think we got to talk about, don't we? The, the forwards. Yes. Um, I think you you when I saw the lineup come out last night, I wasn't unsurprised that Sam Kerr was rested or like mm. started on the bench in this game. I think you, you're always a bit surprised. You're like, oh, Sam Kerr's not there. Um, but like when you think about it for like two seconds, you're like, oh yes, she's been playing 400 games a week for the past yeah. <laughs> six months for Chelsea. So you know what? Fair enough. Save her for England. I think a lot of people were surprised to see Larissa Crummer start up top. Um, and I think it's, it's been one of the talking points when you look on Twitter, when you look in discussions that we all have, Larissa Kramer has been included in a lot of Matilda squads. She's become a a regular despite not necessarily starring, I think in the A-League women, she's had some good moments. Clearly she is a top character. She's resilient. Um, the, the staff clearly think she's versatile. I, I don't think she would be the best option to have as a utility playing fullback. I don't think we've seen a heap from her at fullback. But for me, I think friend of the pod, Joey Lynch, summed it up really well pregame when we saw the lineup come out was that this was a really good opportunity for – this is the mo- a moment for Larissa Crummer to show why she's been getting picked, right? You yes. get your chance, you get to start, you're in your preferred position, which I know she said to my colleague at AAP Joelville before, she wants to get a run at striker. She wants to, you know, show what she can do. It It just felt like it didn't happen for her it felt like yeah. I know I know it's it's difficult you got to come in you've, you've you're playing when Sam Kerr and Caitlin Ford aren't there but at the same time you've got to take your opportunities when they come right and it just felt like it wasn't working for her she had some little moments where she'd win the ball but then the the touch afterwards was poor or you know the attempt to lay off or there was a couple of moments where if she'd been like half a second quicker to the ball it might have been a goal or a goal scoring opportunity it just it just felt like it it wasn't happening for her and we've seen a lot of talk about you know taking your opportunities and um yeah making the most of these chances and I think it's often talked about in the context of like an Alex Chidiak 
um, being used primarily as a substitute um, and really coming in and, and making an impact. And we know we've heard Tony talk about game changers and these sorts of things. But, yeah, it's, it just it just didn't seem like it worked with Crummer. Like it just – it wasn't dynamic. It felt like – there. I know there was never going to be the same level of understanding that you have between, say, Sam Kerr, Caitlin Ford and Mary Fowler have played together a bit more, but it just didn't seem like it worked with Crummer in that mix. Just a completely different type of striker and one that didn't fit with the way that has been working and that had the Matildas going on such a great unbeaten run just didn't work for mine. I just, you know, you get your opportunity and it just didn't feel like she really took it. To her credit, I will say her intensity was quite good in the opening 15. Um, but I, there was one moment where she was running towards a Scottish defender and just went straight into a slide tackle. And I, it just, I, I didn't know what was happening. Like through the legs, I thought maybe it was a foul, but I always double check myself on these things. But anyway, I think like, yeah, I, it, it is a conundrum and I'm c- curious as to what you guys think about, like, if you were putting your Tony hat on, what you would have done in this situation because, I don't know, I feel like I would – I know Mary Fowler hasn't played much as, like, a kind of more central striker with her back to goal, but I probably would have preferred to have seen her up front even and then having someone like Chidiak come in. Um, yeah, because I guess – I don't know how many, and Kramer is quite specific in what she can do. So it's it's hard to kind of, I don't know. Again, a fill the boots of Sam Kerr. That's that's going to be impossible for literally everyone on the planet. But b, I guess find someone who's going to work with those wingers as well. So I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but yes, I that. I've put forward my solution. I don't know if it's um, makes sense or not, but yeah, Sam, what do you think? Like, what would you have done with the the kind of players available? I suppose. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I think we've we've sort of we've touched on Larissa Crummer's role in this Matilda side a couple of times, and I think this was yeah, this was the moment where she she really needed to show everyone why she's been getting called into camp. Um, and I, I, I think we saw glimpses and when you hear Tony Gustafson's comments about why she has been recalled into camps and he talks about her physicality, her intensity, her high speed meters, um, she showed glimpses of that. She was, you know, pressing in patches. Um, she was physical in the air. She did those things, but I think the, the issue with Larissa Crummer is that there are players who do what she can do better, either as a centre forward or as a utility fullback. Like uh, Tamika Yallop, for example, is probably a better fill-in right back than what Larissa Crummer is. And so you have to weigh up all of these different things and wonder, you know, as we are now, and I think a lot of people on Twitter are as well, like who is the player who is missing out because Larissa Crummer is, is taking up this spot? Um, I think if, like, I, I absolutely understand the logic of how Tony set up this team because he needed, like, again, this was the question that needed to be answered. I think he got his answer yesterday. Um, whether or not he acts upon that answer in one way or another is yet to be seen. Uh, if, it, if it was me, I think I, I would have preferred 
yeah, like I would have liked to have seen a Mary Fowler actually playing a, a higher role because that's where she sort of emerged from uh, back in the day. She's, I think, a, a little bit more naturally inclined to being uh, like a like a false nine rather than a, an attacking midfielder or a 10, even though I think she did play better in this game than what she had in previous windows. And it would have been a really good opportunity to, yeah, to bring in an Alex Chidiak to give her a little bit more time um, to to prove what she can do over the course of 60 minutes as opposed to just being a game changer in the final 30. But again, like another switch that we saw in the second half was moving Courtney Vine to centre forward and Vine's speed and her intensity was like it was double that of Larissa Crummer, particularly off the ball, the way that she was able to shut down passes, the way she was able to pressure the goalkeeper. She just had, she had the stuff that you wish that Larissa Crummer had. And the fact that she could do it in the set up, like after already running a full half of football, I think that's like that for me, that performance from Courtney Vine and her versatility across the front three, it means that she's a shoe in for the, the final 23 players. Now, I think we've seen enough from her that she's convinced us that she deserves to be on that, um, on that list. Um, uh, yeah, and it's it's like, who else is there? Because the other question is, you know, Sam Kerr, yes, she's a, a generational striker. Um, she offers a certain kind of striker profile. And so a smart coach, you would think, coming into a major tournament like this, where players like Sam Kerr are studied to within an inch of their lives, how, what kind of player can you bring in who is a different kind of profile and the unfortunate reality of Australian football is that we just have not produced very many strikers and I like I think I have to go back and mention I think it was the preview episode maybe that we did for this Michelle Heyman to, to me would have been a better different profile striker in the sense that she is tall she is physical but she's also quick. proven she's fast exactly she's quick she's she's fit and, and she, she's proven over the course of this A-League women's season that she can score goals, whereas Larissa Crummer has not done that. So off, off the field, maybe that's the reason why this is the, the, that decision has been made. Maybe it's a culture thing or a personality thing. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so I'm trying to, like, see it from, from lots of different kinds of perspectives, particularly the perspective of the coaching staff, because you, like, if, if, if you do have a situation where a Sam Kerr is not necessarily unavailable, but a Sam Kerr is like marked out of a game if a Sam Kerr is is basically answered the questions that she's asking are answered by a defensive setup what other kind of striker can you bring in that is a little bit more unpredictable that's a little bit different that does something differently to what Sam Kerr does who else do we have who's available I uh, Remy Simpson like I, I well, really don't know well if you're Remy Simpson I reckon you'd be a bit flat <laughs> you didn't even get a look in after just scoring in the WSL that you're not even in the mix. Um, oh. She's obviously had a bit of lack of continuity. Heyman's another one you mentioned. I think Melina Reyes's timing of her hamstring injury really stuffed her around. Like the last set of camps was where she needed to be. Rachel Lowe's probably would have left her run too late. I think she's been super impressive as that mm. sort of makeshift, you know, midfield forward type. But you say so now, it's, it's a difficult one. But geez, Alex Chidiak scored more goals in the dub than Larissa Crummer did this season. Larissa Crummer, like, it's a tough one for her because I think Shay Connors has been Brisbane Raw's best number nine when she's moved in there. So, yep. yeah, it's difficult. Obviously, Larissa Crummer, all you hear is that she's a 
you know, top trainer, top person. We know she's come back from that that broken leg. There's the work rate you mentioned, the high speed efforts. But I think last night made it pretty clear that it's, and I don't think anyone expected it to be as a, as a starter in this this team. Like, but that isn't going to be a role. And I think that's worrying. I think they are going to have to look at what other options is it. Do you try and get more minutes? You can't really control Mary Fowler's club minutes, right? That's been difficult. I think I mentioned off the top that Heron Razzo looked short of a few like runs in the legs mm. in terms of playing time. But I think we're going to have to see like these players, like you try Vine. If, if Kerr's not fit, or we're still going to have to see what they can do without Caitlin Ford. Do they look at Amy Sayer as a, because she's obviously like a, tall, big-bodied midfielder who is more attacking, do they look at her as an option? We haven't really seen her play all that much. To Mickey Yallop, I like that you mentioned, Sam, because she used to score a lot of goals for Brisbane yeah, Raw, and that's did. as an attacking midfielder who can play as a striker. So if you're playing that front two, do you look at Fowler up top and then to Mickey Yallop as the player sort of playing off her who can make those really great, you know, um, as Angela would say, butt-gusting runs and get forward, get on the end of things, because that has always been one of her great strengths as a player. Um, she's largely been used as a utility um, in the in the Gustafsson era. Yeah, I think I think we saw that Larissa Crummer wasn't the answer last night. Um, I, wanna, I hope we see Holly McNamara come on in this England game at some point, not just because yeah. we rate her very highly, but because I think it would be good to see the different combinations we can get. Um, I think that's the sort of player. If you're, if we're getting to line ball selections, and I think there will be a few. Um, I think there's going to be some that come down to injuries, like Alina Kennedy. Do we see Chloe Legazzo play again this, like before the lead up? That's going to be the probably the most line ball one because she's um, in a fair bit of strife in terms of this run home. I think it, she might have left her run too late with that foot injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but Alina Kennedy, I think, is one that's going to really come down to the wire. I think if she looks fit, she'll go. But it means that if you've got a couple of those spots that are like that, then the last one's in the 23, because it looks like they're not going to get it pushed to 26, despite yeah. um, Serena Weigman and co. complaining a lot. <laughs> they're not going to get 26. So if you're going to have 23 spots, you've got to look at those final spots, who are going to make the difference. But it's also who's good for you know team morale, who do you believe can come on and make an impact. I think they have to learn from 2019 when you have players like Tegan Allen and Gemma Simon who – we just didn't see. Yes. <laughs> um, and that's where I think I would rather see a, a McNamara, for example, than a, a Kramer. Because I think if you brought a McNamara and she could change a game in 15 minutes. That's, that's the sort I think of another, I want to see. Yeah, 100%. I think another, a, another way of being able to think about this is that when you look at the national teams that we expect to go very far in this Women's World Cup, almost all of them have two layers in terms of their, like I'm talking about squad depth. They have two layers. They've got their starting team, which tends to be their strongest. And then they have a team below them. And the gap between the the quality of the team, of the, the starting team and the team below them tends to be very, very small. And when we look across the Matildas, we've seen over the past two years that Tony has been trying to close that gap between the team that often starts these games and the team that comes on in the end to replace them. And we've seen, for example, at centre-back, that gap start to close with Claire Hunt coming into the fold. We've seen it start to close on the wings with Courtney Vine coming in. We've seen it start to close at left-back with Charlotte Grant coming in for Ellie Carpenter. The biggest gap in terms of that now is centre-forward. 
because like that and this Scotland game I think was the perfect illustration of just how big that gap really is um and that's the most concerning thing that's ultimately the the last question I think that needs to be answered is what do you do if Sam Kerr is not available that's because currently the gap between Sam Kerr and the player who we is being positioned to replace her in a situation like that that gap is gargantuan whereas you look at the 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 national teams of you know, during the Euros, for example, England, they started with Ellen White in every single game and then they brought on Alessio Russo, who happened to be like an absolute sensation and scored a whole bunch of goals. Like you need to be able to have a gap that close for players in big tournaments like this, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, Got to find some answers. I think the first thing you do is you go, well, if Sam Kerr is not our starting centre forward, it is Caitlin Ford. And then you get a game like last night, right, yeah. Sam, where you go, but what if neither of them? And then we go, but that's not a very fair hypothesis. <laughs> and then it happens. Um, yes. But, Don't tempt yeah, fate I for think, the love of God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I I would really like to see them, yeah, test out Fowler and McNamara playing in the same team, the two kids that they really rated. Um, above the rest in terms of their uh, their age group a few years back. I think Courtney Vine, as you say, Sam, has got to be in that mix. I think they'll play Hayley Razor again. I, want to, I just want to see more of Alex Chidiak. I think we've talked about this. Um, we love Alex Chidiak, friend of the pod, Alex Chidiak. Um, and I don't think she had as big an impact last night as she's had in other games. I think she came on, she did a few nice things. I think the intensity had already lifted because of conceding a goal when she came on. But we've seen her impact in other games and – we know that Tony, we, we don't need to rehash this too much. Tony's talked about her as being a game changer. But I think in a game like this, we want to see her start, right? I think she's got enough runs on the board at this point that she probably deserves the chance to show that she can make that impact from the start so we don't need her to change the game. <laughs> I think that would be a fair thing to see. I'm not saying it should happen in midfield because I thought Katrina Gore is so industrious and Kyra Cooney-Cross, I think, really grew into the game last night and just got better and better. I think that midfield two so just worked. The final 20 minutes, yeah. Yeah, that, like those she's... Those two together. And they love playing together. I spoke to yeah. Katrina Gorey at the A-League Women's Season launch and she was just banging on about how much she loves playing with Kyra Cooney-Cross, like one of the best midfielders in Australia. She, they suit each other. They complement each other. Um, they've got, both got a bit of the angries, which I love. Um, Katrina Gorey really had the angries last night. I was like, how have you not picked up a yellow card? Like, this ref could have got you... For fouls or back chat, <laughs> Hayley Russell would have been sitting there after the game being like, Have but not you as well. Um, <laughs> but I digress. I think it is going to be, and Chid said that there's much to us, right, that the wing seems to be the place where she can make a mark. I think she deserves a chance to actually show that she can do that from the get-go, whether it's playing in behind the, the main striker or playing out wide. I think she deserves a chance to start. Um, she's been excellent most of the time when she's been playing for the Matildas we know what sort of character she is and I think it's just worth a look right like if you're going to test out some of these things if we're going to see what options there are and what these friendlies are for and you can't just look at say the Scotland game as a chance to test things out because sometimes you're going to be playing the big game we might be playing Canada and we have like touch wood it doesn't happen but a big injury or a big withdrawal or someone's sore or tight because of having to get results in the other two games what if you then need Alex Chidiak? Because I've no doubt she would want to step up to it. But as coaching staff, surely don't you want to look at all these scenarios? Um, 
so yeah, I think she should stay. Oh, I would be interested to see, um, like, just for the the possibility of what happens if one of Cooney Cross or Gori does pick up a knock, like, or if they're tiring sort of in that 70th, 70th, 75th minute, an option for a player to come on and just, you know, not shake things up a bit, but, uh, you know, see what you can add, see what you can test out. But, yeah, Chidiak is one of those players that can obviously jump into one of those roles as well. So, yeah, I'd like I'd like to see that. I would also like to see that because my new, I say new anxiety, my anxiety, and I picked it up particularly during the Cup of Nations where Kyra and uh, Gori started every game, played next to 90 minutes in every single game, and all I could think about was 2019 where we kept kind of putting out the same lineup and then by the time we got to the round of 16 game against Norway we looked yeah. gassed so that gassed. is a constant yep. fear in my brain about uh not finding out who can actually play in these roles just for the sake of rotation not necessarily for an injury or anything particularly bad who can play these roles yep. for the sake of rotation so I'm a little bit worried with the midfield because we know that Katrina and Kyra work and it's great and we absolutely love to see it but what happens if both of them are absolutely zonked by game three and we really need to beat Canada or you know we get to the round of 16 god willing and they're absolutely tired because they've just played three really intense 90 minute games in the group stage and obviously the midfield is my main concern also because it's just the two of them I'm always very aware of like how much workload they are taking on obviously they're supported by everyone else but they are the midfield um so yeah I really would like to see some sort of variation just to know it exists not because I think that they should be replaced as the the starting or the strongest uh midfield pairing I just want to know if something else is out there to be honest I I like what you say about um I just saw your tweet as well Marissa about to make you in that role like I think she is one of those options we talk about as a utility um I did enjoy seeing Charlie Grant I know she plays at left back club land like not lose any of her dare and dash playing at left back she was still trying to take it on and then we saw her go to right back and Courtney Nevin came on and I thought was quite good I think she's a really good um set piece player Nevin I really like watching her. Apart from the first corner she took, I was watching with Bella and I go, Courtney Nevin's good at set pieces when she get into the first player. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so that's my fault, everyone. Sorry, Courtney. Um, but after that, she had a few like really, really nice ones. There was one that probably should have ended in a goal towards the back post. I think there was a bit of a, a mix-up with, um, I think there was Razzle or someone else there. Anyway, I digress. But... Yeah, I would like to see uh, Yellow not necessarily brought on to cover as a left back or right back. I'd I'd like to see her shuffled in to use her running capacity to yes. to create something higher up in midfield, especially not so much in that more deep lying role. I think um, Chidiak and Yellow are the ones that you can really use. I mentioned Legazo as much as I like her. I I, I don't think I'm going to be making a, a call that she's going to bolt into the World Cup squad unless she does something extraordinary for her sake. I hope she does because I think we missed that sort of hard running and versatility. But the way I'm looking at the squad at the moment, she's not an option until she becomes one. So I think you need other players that can provide that hustle and bustle. We've seen the Matildas have been playing at their best when they have that energy um, and those smarts in midfield, which yeah. Gori and Cooney Cross provide in, in spades, obviously. I think 
I think we all know that it's, it's not going to be Ivy Lewis stepping into those midfield roles, um, given the the um, the traits that seems to be needed for those two to really make this system work. Chidiak and Yolop are the two that I think really stand out. Amy Sayer, we haven't seen enough of yet. I think she's exciting for the future, and I think she will be a, a mainstay because um, she's so tall and strong and has you know those um, smarts as well. Like I think she will be there, but I don't know if she's there yet. And we've talked about Van Egmond being more of that luxury player that can come on and give you something different. But she's not going to hustle and bustle that way for, you know, for 90 minutes the way these players play, right? So that's why I'd like to maybe see a bit of testing out uh, those couple of players, especially Chidiak, because I already know what Tamiki Alec can do, right? I think we want to see Chidiak get that extended run at it. Jeez, remember Emily Van Egmond? <laughs> Sorry, that sounds really mean, but it's like... She really has just like fallen down the pecking order in terms of this midfield, isn't she? Like she, I think the way we described her a couple of episodes ago was she's a luxury player now. And yeah, that like she is, she is the player who, if you have someone who's a little bit more high intensity, a little bit harder working off the ball, like a an Alex Chidiak or a Mary Fowler or someone in that sort of creative attacking position who just runs out of legs by the 70th minute or something in a do or die game, you'd bring on an Emily Van Egmond to offer something different perhaps. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Harry. I think this, I think we have a much better understanding of the kind of midfield, the style of midfield that Tony wants and the, the players who can and cannot fit that style. We already know, as Marissa pointed out that Cooney Cross and, and Gorey formed the sort of the, the spine of that midfield. And it's just about finding the, the little extra bit of creativity to be able to complement the hard work that those two players do. I would love, love, love to see an Alex Chidiak be played as a 10 because that's her role. That's her, that's what she loves to do. She wants the ball at her feet. She has the technicality. She has the skill. She has the vision to be able to break open a defense when it's needed. We saw that during the cup of nations. Um, I can, all, I also understand the, the role that Mary Fowler plays in that as well, because she is a goal scorer and being in a position like that, she has an absolute weapon of a foot. So being able to score from outside the box is encouraged for someone in that kind of position. But I, I do think to make Yallop is, um, is, is crucial in terms of she should be the replacement. I think Kyra Cooney cross, if, if Cooney cross goes down, I think Yallop is the, hard-working, hard-running, um, energetic, box-to-box midfielder that the, that this midfield needs to maintain its style. Um, so I, I don't really understand why she hasn't been allowed to, to play that very much in the last couple of windows. I feel like you would want to see how she combines with the more um, solid or the more cemented or the more sure um, midfielders who are going to be there like a gory and they have you know the two of them have so much history together as well not just in the Matildas but also at Brisbane Raw they played together for years and years so yeah I, I really I, I do miss Tamiki Yallop being in that central position in the same way that I miss Chloe Legazzo being in that central position because they are absolute workhorses and against some of the teams that we could potentially be facing, you you really need to have players who can do that, especially if we're not going to have the ball very much. So I'd, I'd like to see a little bit more rotation in this game against England. Um, like, obviously, we want to see Sam Kerr starting because you want, you know, want it to be an occasion and you want to be able to see that she can 
uh, step up when it's required. Uh, but I, I would really like to see a little bit more experimentation in this midfield because I do think that even though we have, like, the problem is that we have so many of them, we still don't quite know which are the one. Like, we need to shuffle and figure out exactly what the hierarchy is, I think. I would also say, Sam, and you mentioned off air that Claire Wheeler had a bit of a knock coming in. She's another one who can actually fill that role much yep. like, not the same way as Chidiat, but with Yallop as well. I thought her best football at Sydney FC, we often talk about her as a six, was playing as that eight role where she just box yes. to box and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. Sure. Um, and it was great watching her go up against um, Cooney Cross, especially in that, that grand final, like where it was two, you know, really quality players. Um, so I'd like to see her in the mix. Can I do a little throwback? I had a couple of thoughts. Uh, one is, geez, I feel like maybe Emily Gilnick was the one they were eyeing off as that squaddy that Larissa Crummer mm. is currently filling because she can play nine. I think she's still best as that tall winger. And I know she hasn't had like a scintillating time um, during the Tony era, I think. Like we know she's a confidence player, hasn't been, I think, particularly, particularly productive, has also had a lot of injuries during it. These, this time I think she's one of those players that they would look at and she obviously has missed another window because of ankle injuries. But my question to you guys, and this is based off seeing a couple of interviews recently, seeing the kit launch, does it feel like to you guys, because it feels like to me that the door has been, even if it's only slightly ajar, is not closed on Kaya Simon. I feel like they're giving her every last chance to make a very, very, very late run at it. I don't, I don't think the door is fully closed. The kit launch was not really, um, and I'm not saying it's the right, (laughs) I'm not saying it's going to be right or wrong, but I think if you're strikers and you're jostling for positions, I think if you know that Kai Simon is pushing for her fitness right until the very end, I think you'd still be looking over your shoulder. Unless you're Sam Kerr, Caitlin Ford, obviously. Does it feel like to you the door might be getting left open? Do we want her looking at It would be very unlikely. Her shoulder? Or do we want her? Sorry, I'm just thinking in terms of does she want to play face in the ball? Anyway, um, <laughs> I. Uh, Harrow, why? Because <laughs> I just I, saw the kit launch and I was like, when you order your kits, which I did the other day, Kai Simon's one of the options. Oh, that's an well, she's still a contracted Matilda. Nike, so... she's a contracted Matilda and yeah. a Nike player as well. I know, but I just wonder—it's uh, just a fun question that I'm throwing into the mix. I, I think mean, it'll be very, like players, be very, very play, hard. It would be extremely hard. Players have under. come back from ACLs within a pretty rapid time period. Like the 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 guesstimate is a year, but there have been players who've returned in seven or eight months. So Ellie Simon was is probably nine months, right? Yeah. Simon is is really really right on the on the edge of that, but at the same time, there's a big difference between returning to football and returning to international football. That's I think why Ellie Carpenter was given an extra couple of months to just play some football at club level first, mm. get back up to regular match fitness, and then come into this window. But also, she's a machine, and so and we saw that against Scotland. Like she looked like she hadn't been out for it at, at all. It was ridiculous. Um, I, 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 in my head, I had, I'd drawn a line through Kaya Simon because I don't think it's fair to put pressure on someone like that. And I know that it's going to be probably her last world cup because she's getting older and, and all that sort of thing. But 
you know, you just don't. I don't think it's I don't think it's good to to make decisions, particularly not on the Matilda's, Matilda's coaching staff perspective, to make decisions um, based on a hypothetical like that. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't think they will. I just wanted to throw a fun question in, into the mix. It wasn't fun. It just made me sad. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not having fun at all. You Dreadful. can delete this whole discussion if you want. No, I love the discussion because, like, my other thought is, like, what about if she does a Harry Souter? He played, like, what, one, two games and then was yeah. a machine? Yeah, that's a good point. It's just that I think – when we were talking about the next striker up, I think if she hadn't torn her ACL, I think it would have been probably one of the mm. easier questions to ask, right? If you're looking at experienced strikers who you take as an option, um, I think she would have been in that mix. I, I don't know if it will happen, but maybe. You never know. Um, I do mm. think Gilnick is – my Gilnick point is valid. I think she would have been um, really looked at as an option in these games, especially had she not copped another injury blow. One thing I did like um, out of this, uh, I thought Mackenzie Arnold was very solid again. Um, I think I, yeah. I've been really excited by her. Just I don't, she, There was nothing she could do about that goal. But a couple of really sharp saves. Her distribution was good. You could tell she had the leadership. She's got the confidence. And I just feel really happy with the Claire Hunt, Claire Polkinghorne centre-back combination. I, I love that we saw Claire Hunt have a ping for goal a couple of times and yeah. we don't want to hit the How crossbar. How good was that? The one that came off the crossbar. Yeah, yeah that, that was amazing. That was like Claire Polkinghorne just charging through midfield areas as well. That's what I really respected about it. And just the audacity of a centre-back just charging in. Yeah, I'm just like, go, go, girl. Just take it. Take I the space. We all forget about the um, how much Alana Kennedy yeah. Uh, not a peak, but when she was in full flight, loved to go for a run from centre back. Totally. Remember she when went. she was a defensive midfielder for a bit there? That was that was that was a time. No. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed seeing the Hunt and Polkinghorne combination. I'd really like to see how they go against England because I think that'll be um, a much better litmus test. Agreed. Um, for for Hunt in particular, um, just to see where she's at and to see how. And to see how she goes up against some of those like rapid England forwards who will provide a really good test. Um, yeah, it would be nice to have Steph Gatley and Caitlin Ford and a couple other really good players, but what can you do? Um, I think that game really did show how much we miss Steph Catley's distribution as well and her class and leadership. Like, I think it's important for us to remember how much, like, as Claire Bogdan is a terrific leader and a great person and obviously would have been doing a lot of directing out there, but missing the captain and the vice captain as well, I think probably can't be understated. I think of all, of, of all, mm, I say this with a, a very big uh, asterisk on it. Of all the games for Steph Catley and Caitlin Ford to miss, I feel like England is not too bad because we know how they play against English players already. You know what I mean? They play mm. against them week in, week out in the WSL. We know what they can do. So it's, you know, and they because they play together at club level with Arsenal so beautifully, it's it's just a copy and paste kind of scenario for the Matildas, which is great, which is exactly what you want at international level because you don't get that much time together. So it's, I, I, I look at it in a kind of maybe blessing in disguise way. Like it, it gives an opportunity for a Courtney Nevin to link up with a, Courtney Vine or you know some other combo of those two types of roles uh, and to be able to stack them up 
against the kinds of players who Steph Catley and Caitlin Ford tear through basically every week. So I'm going to be really, really curious. Like I'm even more curious about how this team is going to go against England than I think I would have been had we been full strength. Like that would have had its own set of curiosities to it, but I think this is a more necessary set of curiosities because these are actually the things that we need to know. Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, it's interesting as well. Like, you know, obviously Matildas want to win their group, but there's every chance if they come second in their group, they'll play England again. Exactly. That far away. Um, so Hence rotation of players, as Marissa was talking about hold earlier, couple, right? But hold a couple of things in reserve. You don't need to fire all your bullets now in the friendly zone. Yep. Um, but anyway, hopefully those guys are fit soon. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, in whole – and on the whole, I think some worrying signs in terms of the forward mix, but at the same time, there was that little period in the second half where they just peppered the goal, like bang, 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 without scoring. So um, it's one of those games where you're like, I was frustrated, I was annoyed, angry in patches. But like when you look at it the next day, you're like, eh. <laughs> like, yeah. I think we'll learn a lot more from how things go against England. And that's going to be the one where you, you sort of, um, yeah, really get. That, that proper litmus test. Like Scotland, I thought, really deserved something out of that game as well. I thought they were excellent and well-organised and played some really nice football and had some young, creative, attacking players like that were, were fun. I think this is a game, and they're, what, number 23 in the world? Like, they're not, they're not rubbish. <laughs> they're a decent team. Um, so, yeah, I think I think I was a bit disappointed and frustrated, but I'm not. it's not like some of the other games we've seen, especially earlier on in the Tony tenure or, say, Asian Cup where you go, Oh, this nothing is working, right? In in perspective, it it doesn't, yeah, doesn't register um, high on the panic scale. That's enough about the football. I think we need to talk about one other thing, though, that uh, occurred in this. Is it a game. boot? It's a boot. It's also a short and a shirt and some socks. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the kid clash. What the fuck it's was that? The kid clash. Oh my god! I can. I. Well, I like. I feel like my retinas have burned from my skull. Like, I, <laughs> it was so hard watching that game, and I'm like, and I'm a. I would like to think a fully sighted person. I cannot imagine how difficult that was for people who have vision impairments I don't understand the logic of it either I asked this question on Twitter at the start of the game and one of the responses was from a woman named Joe Fernandez who is one of Australia's most experienced match commissioners she's been the match commissioner at World Cup games and her response was I have no idea so if like if she has no idea like what the hell what why was this decision made it wasn't like there were some people, including Angela, who said maybe it's just a commercial thing, like it's just a, an opportunity to market the new kits, which like, like that wouldn't surprise Pick me. Pick the other all. ones, right, right? But it's like, but but like you're you're this is the, the ah, someone else needs to talk about it because I'm just uh, I'm mad about I was, it. I was saying to you guys before recording that I was working at the footy, the AFL before this, and like there was a lot of conjecture in the week because North Melbourne wore a, it was North Melbourne v Carlton, right? North Melbourne were wearing a special uh, jersey to support the Good Friday appeal for the Royal Children's Hospital. Great cause. Um, the jumper was like so Carlton for context, Sam. This is all this context is mostly for Sam and anyone who doesn't follow AFL, um, <laughs> like Sam. 
Um, navy blue jersey. I'm the every um, Sam. Yes, continue. Every Sam. Um, navy blue Carlton. North Melbourne normally wear like stripes. Think Argentina, but royal blue and white. Um, so royal blue and white stripes. What they wore instead was a royal blue jersey. So Carlton have a royal have a navy blue jersey with a white insignia on it, and then North Melbourne decide to wear a royal blue jersey with a sort of white logo on the front. Quite confusing, bit difficult clash wise. So I get home from the footy, I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, I know all about kick clashes now. Couldn't possibly. Night couldn't possibly get any worse than trying to differentiate those two. Oh my god, what is that? <laughs> and the sun's out. Apparently, live at the ground, friend of the pod, Amy Roski says, "No, no, uh, at the ground, it's okay. It doesn't look like it's clashing at all." Unfortunately for us plebs watching from home, it was sunny in London. What is that? Um, <laughs> so they all look the same. And because the camera, all like the the, 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 the focus same. of the camera was going in and out depending on the like the, the the brightness of the sun as well, and it would have to like adjust its brightness. That's when there were times where I was like, all of these players ongoing are the same. white balance check. All of these players are the same, and it got to the point where I was even like, some of these passes seem to be really off. Like they're going straight to the opposite. Like, do they think that they're part of their team when they're actually like, are they getting confused as well? It's not just us. I have no idea. This is a question I'm going to be asking until I get an answer. Have you got, you've got no answer, Sam? No. Nah. Can, can I also give a minor boot? To, I know it's for good reasons that, you know, we didn't risk Sam Kerr and all that sort of thing, but we didn't get to see Sam Kerr actually play on Sam Kerr. They did a jersey swap at the end, which is nice, but I'm sure Sam Kerr, the other Sam Kerr, would have, would have loved to have also swapped jerseys with someone she actually played against. Um, <laughs> and But more so than that, <laughs> we just all feel like we've been denied some real great shenanigans sam kerr derby you know like it it was framed as the sam kerr derby by so many media outlets and sam the other the other sam kerr came so close to scoring past the post i was like oh and what a waste (laughs) so many social media managers just to cry i know i was literally about to say what a waste of the meme the meme of the spider-man meme of the two sam kerrs pointing at each other like that it was it just it wrote itself so thanks tony you ruined the sam kerr derby how dare you prioritize How dare you take this away from Sam us? Meme value. <laughs> I do have a how good, Marissa. Can I do a how you good? You sure can, but can I quickly say thanks, Tony? Sam's crying. Yes. <laughs> Just for a little meme. I'm going to chop that, but please. Which Sam? All of them. Every single one. Oh, I'm crying. No one collective five mind. The Sam <laughs> is crying. Anywho. <laughs> Harrow, you have a how good. Please share. Yeah, if watching um, during the broadcast, you might have been thinking, so Katrina Gorey has her daughter Harper there, right? Like, but where is Harper? Who is she with? What's she up to while watching her mum? Turns out just all the sideline tillies. Emily Gilnick posted this photo on Instagram. Um, the caption was watching Mama at Katrina Gorey 10 with the girls. So Gilnick's taken the photo and you've got there <laughs> Kai Simon, Caitlin Ford, Steph Catley and Alana Kennedy. So even when you're not in camp with the Tillies, if you're Harper Gorey, you simply cannot leave the Tillies. I love, I love all the aunties being around and like they're all just community raising this one child. It's amazing. Do you think they were like, Mummy's quite yeah. angry today. <laughs> you think Harper's picking up on the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
that's a professional wow. <laughs> so mummy just two-footed someone. That's not a nice thing to do to <laughs> No, I can't tell. I can't tell you what Mummy just said to the ref. Then <laughs> maybe when you're older, dear. <laughs> We're sure she was right, though. <laughs> Sorry, that was so funny. <laughs> this is not coping in the corner over there. Uh, I feel like, but no, we. This, it is a. Oh, no, I was going to say go. this happens every three months where one of you makes a joke and it just floors me, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm done. Thanks. Oh, Christ, please. You were going to say something. No, but just um, the full-blown community of the Tillies and uh, the injured Tillies getting around and making sure that Harvagori has a great time at the football. How good? Very much a how good. Um, I'm going to put you all on the spot just real quick, rapid fire around the Zoom. What's your score prediction for this England game? Um, I think it'll be 3-1 to England. I think this is a very, very good England side in the uh, the final stages of their preparations. They're not really missing anyone aside from Beth Mead. Um, and we have seen how fantastic their bench depth is. So, I, yeah, I think it's going to be it's a, it's going to be worse than Scotland. <laughs> I, I think England 2-1, but it would be very funny if Australia ended their unbeaten run. Yeah, so, yeah. I love it depends on if Sam Kerr plays though. I think if, if Sam Kerr plays, Australia can go in and not necessarily cause an upset, but come away with a draw or a result. But I think there'll be goals either way. I don't think this England defence is impenetrable. I think it'll be fun to watch regardless. Um, but I think England will win 2-1. Chile's win 4-1. Tom did it. Oh, it's like the Sweden game. <laughs> and it worked. Manifesting. Manifesting. <laughs> but you didn't cap it off with this to like properly quote Tom 4 1 Tilly's England are rubbish. <laughs> like, just, to, <laughs> just to really fucking, you know, cap it right off. <laughs> that is true. Um, if. Marissa, what's your prediction? Um, if you gave me, if you gave me, like if you offered me a draw right now, oh man, you've never seen someone take anything more swiftly. Um, so in my heart, I would love like a 1-1 or a 2-2, but I do think England will end up winning. Yeah, 3-1. I'm going to go 3-1 like Sam, to be honest. But we're going to have fun watching it. Maybe. We're definitely going to watch it. That's that's the certainty we can give to you all. But um, thank like you so much. 5.45 though? What time is the game? It is on at 4.45 a.m. Wednesday morning. Wednesday. Yeah, don't be so certain about... We- don't speak for we. <laughs> With that, that kickoff time... <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I'll we, definitely be watching we? it. We're not in France anymore. <laughs> and how much of it is going to be watching you while you sleep? Oh, no. What? 
Is this like a the the longer you gaze into the abyss, the abyss gazes into you. The longer yes. that you gaze into the England game, the England game gazes into you. Yeah. I would not want to see footage of me watching the like <laughs> like if someone saxophone guide me it, during that like, kickoff time, they'd regret it instantly. <laughs> Tuberman, yeah? Oh, sorry, yeah. Tuberman. <laughs> Did you grasp instruments right, Angela? Jesus. <laughs> sorry. You've broken sand. Ah, Sam, it's broken. Sorry. Tuberman. Sex on my phone. Lesser known cousin. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'm muting Sam and I'm wrapping this up. I'm, ra- I'm muting you all. I have the power. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. We've had a great time, obviously, and we hope you have too. Um, as always, we're on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. Friend of the pod, Sophie Lawson, is over in the UK covering the game, so you can read all of her work over on ESPN.com.au. Uh, as always, we are on Spotify, Apple and Google and all of the usual pod spots. Leave a review and subscribe if you like what we're doing. If you want to have a chat to us about anything and everything Tilly's related, we are at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, go Tilly's and see us. <laughs>